0: iTunes presents Meet the Author.
1: Good evening, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Apple Store SoHo. We're very excited to have you all here this evening to attend the latest installment in our Meet the Author event series. This guest speaker series gives authors a chance to share their latest works and participate in a discussion with you, the audience. Tonight, we're thrilled to have James Patterson, who Time Magazine recently called the man who can't miss. James is the best-selling author of the past year, bar none, with more than 12 million books sold in North America alone. In total, his books have sold an estimated 130 million copies worldwide. James has created the two top best-selling detective series of the past decade, including the Alex Cross series. Before I turn it over to James, I just want to let everyone know that tonight's event is being recorded as an event that you can download along with James's new audiobook from the iTunes store. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome James Patterson. <laughs>
2: hello, hello, hello. Is this working? Uh, the reason I'm here is, is that I love books. Uh, I read a hundred or more a year, almost as many as I write. And uh, the latest is, as was mentioned, it's called Double Cross, and Alex Cross is back in this one, and it's in audio books and and you know those handwritten books and e-books and whatever however books happen. And um, it's it, I think it's one of the more interesting of the Cross uh, books. The whole Cross thing is interesting now. We have Jamie Fox who wants to uh, to be the new Alex Cross, which is kind of fun, and he's um, he's really a nice man and he got interested in, in fact there's a lot of actors now who want to be Alex Cross which is which is nice to me, Lawrence Fishburne is interesting but we met with Jamie and went out to one of the studios and um, w- what particularly interested Jamie is that um, uh, Alex was brought up by his grandmother in the books and Jamie was brought up by his grandmother in Texas Alex plays the piano, Jamie plays the piano and um, you know, so that would be kind of cool and, and uh, uh, you know we we look for in fact we're having a script written right now. Fortunately, it started before the strike, so we're okay, although I can't talk to the screenwriter anymore um at any rate, not only do I love books but I love book stories. I'll tell you a couple um my um uh my first rather unconstructive criticism about uh uh writing came when I was an undergraduate. I went to school in in New York City at manhattan college and um I was told that um I write okay, but stay away from fiction, um, which was actually pretty good advice, but I didn't follow it, of course. Then I went to graduate school at Vanderbilt, and there the professor said, write fiction, which is what I wanted to do anyway, so I wrote a novel. Um, Thirty-one publishers turned it down, some with extreme prejudice. and uh, Then the novel went on to win an Edgar as the best first mystery of the year. So. If you have any of your novels or nonfiction turned down, don't feel bad. It's probably pretty good, but some editor just didn't get it. Um, I remember the first signing. I was 26 when I wrote the first book. And uh, um, the signing was actually at the World Trade Center back then, and nobody came. They had about 500 books behind me, and not one person came. And uh, my girlfriend sat there, and I kept signing her book over and over again, you know, so it looked cool um first bestseller came about 16 years later and um i was in a store in new york city uh well actually i i I picked up the new york times and saw that the book was on the bestseller list and i thought it was a misprint so i went to this large store in the area and um what 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 authors a lot of authors would do will come in the stores and we sort of you know we we look and and first of all we'll count the books we'll go let's say there were 12 and now there are 10 so I went in and it looked like the pile was down a little bit and that was nice and and then um, the other thing is is if we're in the store and and you come up and you're looking at the book if you buy it it makes our day and if you put it down it's sort of heartbreak city so while I was there this woman picked up my book and she's looking at it and reading the flap copy and whatever Then she put it under her arm and she's walking down the aisle and I'm like floating this is the best the pile is down um... you know this woman is uh... uh... is gonna buy the book and she gets about halfway down the aisle she slides it into her pocketbook she stole the book so uh... you know so much better and I'm going does that count as a sale You know? um... right around that time um... I went into uh, another of uh, the big and, and we do these sort of, you know, signings where um uh, you'll come along and uh, you just sign a bunch of books in the back. It's not an official signing. Anyway, so I came to the you know, the front and they're meeting me and they're going, Oh my god, you know, Mr. Patterson, we love your stuff and we're slapping low fives and high fives and we're practically dancing through the store. And uh they said, We got three or four hundred of your books in the back and I get to the back and they have this long table filled with Richard North Patterson novels, you know. So I signed him. Um, somewhere along the way, uh, Hollywood called, and I made the mistake of of answering, and um, they made a couple of movies. Kiss the Girls was one of them with Morgan Freeman, and I remember going on the um, on the shoot, and everybody was very nice to me. It, you know, it was a lot of fun, and and it's kind of cool that this all this all these people and actors and and. Uh, uh, this whole thing is, is is because of one of your books um, but I soon found out that on the movie set the novelist rates somewhere below the caterer they know why the caterer is here, they're not quite sure why you showed up um, a while later they made another movie called Along Came a Spider and uh, my wife and I, Sue, who's here somewhere beautiful blonde wonderful, there she is, hey Sue and. Um, um, so we went on the, uh, you know, on the set in, in Washington, and you know, if you ever get a chance to go on a movie set if you haven't gone before, don't do it. It's unbelievably boring. But um, you know, so we watched a day of the movie being shot, and then that night we went out to dinner with Morgan Freeman and Monica Potter, who was in the movie and the producers. And um, we got up a little Italian restaurant in Washington. and When we got up, up came Senator Fred Thompson and Clint Eastwood and we were talking with them, and everybody was gawking at us, because, among other things, Morgan Freeman and Thompson and, and Clint Eastwood are all over 6'3", and while we were talking, this guy came up and asked for an autograph, my autograph, and Clint Eastwood looked down at the guy, and he said, I need a hit movie bad, you know. <laughs> so uh, my favorite um, sort of Hollywood story, um, they have these publicity junkets and uh, for movies, and, you know, you do see the chucky four or whatever and they're you know they're literally there are hundreds of journalists there and so they had the, one of these things for long came a spider and uh paramount invited me out and 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 uh then they said well we better let jim see the movie because you know people the, the press is going to want to know what he thinks of it you know so i'm watching this movie from this book i read and i watched the first scene and i go all right well that wasn't in the book and i watched the second scene and in the second scene morgan freeman the alex Cross character is building a ship in a bottle and this woman comes up and, um, I, and and I'm going who the hell, and I wrote the book and I go who the hell is this woman you know I don't know who she is and uh, so and, it's, and she never comes back in the movie I mean she just appears in this one scene this strange woman who's never identified so I see Morgan Freeman a little later in the press and I go Morgan who is the woman in the second scene in the movie he says oh that's Alice Cross's sister I said oh I didn't know Alex had a sister you know, to- well, anyway, that's Hollywood. I have a new TV show uh, based on the Woman's Murder Club, and um, uh, yeah, that's kind of fun because, I mean, the nice thing about TV is they really can't mess around like they can with the movies because every week there's got to be a show or just blank space comes on, you know? So they have to make decisions, and, you know, that really helps the process along. And and we have some really uh good writers, um, a couple of the women who, who did the pilot and, and another couple of the scripts alone. They wrote uh, several episodes for The Shield. And um um and, and there is some good writing and and but of course they don't listen to it. I the one thing I think is I think the 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 plotting needs to be tightened up a little bit. I think there need need to be a few more surprises. Um but they won't listen. And I'm always thinking like, you know, who do they think I am? The best selling suspense novelist in the world, you know? Why should he listen to me? Um, at any rate, i uh, uh, it's, it's a lot of fun for me, and the suspense stuff is fun and, and all of that, yes. Um Why don't we do a few questions and answers? And Oh, no, I can see you. Cool.
1: So did you I'm know... I'm
2: a That's <laughs> how so I can figure this did stuff out. Did you
1: know when you were writing him that he was going to be a smash hit character and that you were going to continue on with other books in a series based upon him?
2: When I started um, The Cross Books actually Alex was a woman for the first 50 pages or so was Alexis and uh, for some reason I said I I wasn't liking the way that was going Uh, so I changed it around and um, I I don't know if I was thinking about sequels or not but when the publisher when Little Brown got a hold of it they wanted to do a two book thing and they said we'd like another one and i was interested in alex and w- one of the things that, I mean my what i write is is very fast-paced and one of the nice things about a series is it allows you even though you're writing these very breath- the breathless thrillers hopefully anyway um you can develop character over time so at, over the course of the books you uh, you, 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 you can maybe get in as much as some novelists would, would de- deal with character in a single book I mean one of the interests, I, my style is very colloquial it's sort of the way we tell stories to one another and um, you know when we're telling stories we don't put in all the detail and some novelists, I mean the way they're written you know more about the characters than you know about your spouse I mean literally, I mean there's just so much detail And and, and that's a good way to write but it's not the way I write so
1: do you feel that you have the same chemical response to the new character, Michael Bennett, in that new book you wrote, um, Step, Step on the on crack. A crack? Do you feel like you're going to continue his character
2: again? There's another series uh, with Michael Bennett who, who lives in New York. It's, it's kind of interesting to me because it's so crazy, but he has ten kids. And he's a cop, and they're all adopted, and his wife is really the person responsible for the adoptions and she dies in the first book so he's th- this cop with ten kids which is kind of absurd but it's also interesting to me the notion of somebody having to deal with such an extreme situation and um, I think the first book turned out well I think, I think what's interesting to me about the book is the suspense part I mean it's good but it's, it's not groundbreaking but I think the family stuff in the book is particularly good and um, I think the second book, uh, which is done now, is is better. And the third book, which um, Mike Ledwich and I are working on now, I think is the best of all of them. So it's growing nicely, um, and, and, and we're going to also take it uh, out to Hollywood uh, this year. So, you know, who knows? Thanks. Yeah. Questions? You have questions? I have answers. I may have answers.
1: I, I was just wondering what made you want to go into like uh, suspense detective fiction, like first off right out of college
2: because it's yeah.
0: not something that <laughs>
2: most. Well, it was a while back, <laughs> so the, I, I, the the question is why I, I wanted to, into, to write suspense and novels and things like that. Um, when I was a kid, I, I, I was a good student, you know, uh, high school and all that, but I really didn't read much. And um, after school, I, I got a job uh, working at a mental hospital, in in, in Cambridge, Mass. I had a lot of time at nights, and I started reading like crazy, and it was all serious stuff. And of course, I was very snobby about popular fiction. I didn't read any of it. I didn't like it. I thought it sucked. And, um, um, you know, and I wanted to write seri- you know, more serious books. And along the way, I, I read Ulysses actually twice, and I said, you know. I there's no way I can touch this kind of writing and I really don't I think I could write a decent serious book but I don't think I could write a great one and that just didn't really interest me uh... and around that time or you know within a couple of years I read a couple of popular novels one was Day of the Jackal and one was The Exorcist and I and I liked them I thought they and I here I hadn't read a lot of popular fiction and I said well you know I might be able to write things like that I didn't know necessarily whether I'd enjoy it then I started scribbling um, um the Thomas Behrman number, and I really liked the storytelling, and I got hooked on it, and it was you know it's kind of it's at my skill level, so I like I love doing it, I love telling stories, and it's something that I can do you know reasonably well. so uh, question over over there we're going to keep we're going to keep this guy running, so the next one's going to be over here. yeah.
1: Hi. I was just wondering how come you decided to co-author books and how did you choose the people that you co-authored with?
2: How did I start co-authoring and how do I choose the people? You, you want to try? You ready? <laughs> the we alternate words. You got We got to be quicker than that though cuz we never get the book written if you, you know. Um you know there there are a lot of mediums where where there is First of all, I think um the whole individual thing in, in this society has been overdone. I'm a big fan of teams, um, and you know, I came out of advertising. I used to work at J. Walter Thompson here in the city, although I've been clean for about 14 years now. And um, you know, it tends to be teams, and it's it's the way you work. You work with an art director, maybe a producer. Hollywood is is you know generally sort of team oriented. There's nothing crazy about it or foreign. It's a way to do things um and i i had worked that way in advertising and then i wrote a little novel with a friend of mine um early on and um I, we really enjoyed it and and one of the things about this peter de young i wrote that, that that book with and peter i'm a better storyteller peter's a better stylist and between the two of us i thought it turned out nicely and you know, so far I've really enjoyed um, all of the co-authoring things. I mean, it's a lot of fun for me. It's different than the books I write by myself, um, and um, I don't know. I, I like it, and 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 you know, haven't had too many complaints from people. Though you know, there's always somebody. Don't tell me if you're here. I don't to, I don't want to know. Um anybody else questions?
1: You said you read a lot. I wondered yes. other than yourself who like your favorite authors or favorite style of <laughs> of
0: reading?
2: Favorite authors? Well, yeah, I mean it really is a it's a, it's a it's a large uh it, it's all one of the the, the things that I I'm, I'm happy about in terms of my own reading is I like junk fiction and I like very serious stuff. I mean I really do like I like non-fiction. I read a lot of non-fiction. I mean um, right now, I, I kind of like reading political stuff. So I've, you know, the Barack Obama stuff, uh, uh, Hillary's book. Um, uh, I like reading right and left. I want to hear what everybody has to say. Um, uh, I like I like detective stuff. So I read some of that. I, I like Michael Connelly, like George Pelicanos a lot. I like Nelson DeMille. Um, so I'm I'm really all I love Jane Austen I love and I love I love soppy stuff too. So I mean every once in a while I'll write a, a a love story I like the Jane Austen book club the book and the movie you know so I I've I, I, I very my tastes are all are, are are all over the place I like kids stuff cuz I'm I'm you know I do a lot of young adult stuff now we have maximum ride which is about these six kids who can fly and um, we just get very lucky Avi Arad who used to own Marvel Comics and then did Spider-Man and X-Men and a lot of other things. He just bought it. And he is um, just hes so energetic. And what he did when he, when he was putting the Spider-Man stuff together, he read every Spider-Man comic that had ever been written and just started pasting up pages all over the walls. And he's done the same thing now with Maximum Ride. He's read all three books and, he's, and he has the first two movies mapped out and they have a really great director who I'm not allowed to talk about who's going to do it and a really good screenwriter who I'm not allowed to talk about um but that thing is really moving along nicely and I love uh I, you know my thing about getting kids reading is and I really believe that there's a lot of truth in this the best way to get kids reading is given books that they're gonna love and they'll they'll get to I mean you know I I think it would be great, you know, for grade school to, you know, to teach kids movies. But if we started with Ingmar Bergman movies, everybody would go, I I don't really like movies. So, you know, if you think about the process in school, it starts out, first of all, learning how to read is a drag. It's a lot of rote stuff. It's not fun. Then the first stuff they give you to read is really shitty. I mean, kids are smart. I mean, kids get it. They don't, you know. So that's boring. And then they start, and well, okay, now you're ready for crime and punishment. Well, you most kids aren't ready. Some are, but not many. And better, you know, read Harry Potter, read Maximum Ride, read Holes, read Carl Hiaasen. You know, Um, there's a lot of stuff that really will turn kids on. And and um, another thing that I'm, in fact, we're we're just talking about this now. Possibly doing a website about helping. I, I really—I th- have a nine-year-old, and, and I think—and it and I, the more I've thought about this, the more true it is. And, and we did this this summer with Jack, that it is a responsibility of parents and grandparents to go find books that the kids are going to love. Not don't the teacher don't—that's not the teacher's responsibility, although they may do some of that. It's the responsibility of the parents. And unfortunately, in a lot of the bookstores, they're going to walk in. And they're going to look, and here's 10,000 books, and they don't know where to start. And they're going, well, I don't know. You know, it's like you know, if you went if we went to the movie theaters, and here on the marquee were 10,000 titles, you'd go, I don't know, and you just walk away. So um, I I I think we, you know, a lot of parents need help, and uh, but I do think it's their responsibility. They got to find. They just can't go. Oh, my kids won't read. Well, of course they won't read, because they're 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 not being stimulated very much. So at any anyway. rate. Did I have anything to do with your question? No. Who cares? <laughs> you want to talk? Come on up here.
0: Um, yeah. i just, uh, when I started reading your books, I was amazed that the same person that wrote the Alex Cross series wrote books like uh, Suzanne's Diary for Nicholas. Um, or do you think you're going to be writing more books like that?
2: Like Suzanne's Diary. Yeah. Suzanne's Diary for Nicholas is is a, a love story, and I've written, I'd written two, and I have one more that coming this year. It's called Sundays at Tiffany's, and I, they're hard for me to write love stories because I really like, I want the pace of thrillers in a love story. And that those two don't necessarily marry very well. Um, so they've, they've really been hard for me to do. And um, Sundays at Tiffany's, I, I just love the idea of this book. It, it starts out with a, a little girl. She's in um, uh, one of the fancier hotel restaurants and she's a chubby little girl and she's eating a lot of ice cream. And she's talking with this, you know, very handsome, and you assume it's her father. And you find out it's actually her imaginary friend. And she's so attached to this Michael, who's this imaginary friend of hers. And... um, um as it turns out, it's her birthday in a couple of days, and they have this big party, but it winds up really not being for her. And then her imaginary friend says, I have to leave now. And she gets you know very upset about this. And then he explains what imaginary friends are, and he says everybody has one. Um, but he says that um, imaginary friends are just here to, to get you into life, to ease you into life, and then they go away, and you don't remember them. So off he goes, and this, you know, as a 30-some-year-old in New York City, all of a sudden, she sees her imaginary friend and falls in love with him, which I just think is kind of a, you know, goofy but fun uh, concept. And, and and it was fun to write, although a total pain in the butt to write, too. So, Yeah.
0: I'm going to go back a few years. I used to work at Walden Books. Okay. <laughs> and at that time, I was strictly horror fiction, which was Dean Kuhn, S- Stephen King, John Saul. Um, Stephen and
2: I are tight. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the um the first time I read Along Came a Spider, being a bookseller, it was uh, something I, I immediately, I loved it, read through it like, you know, I devoured the pages in, in seconds. So it was easy for me to push the book. Um, a common conversation was who we b- believed would be the best um actor if you that movie had been produced right to portray alex cross mm-hmm. and to me it was a surprise that morgan freeman because um you to give you both. some names at the time was more like denzel washington mm-hmm. lawrence fishburne yeah i'm just curious to know it what actually what
2: came down to morgan freeman and they they approached denzel but he had just done the walter mosley which they thought would be a series and he didn't want to get involved in another series and uh, But Lawrence did want to do it. So it came down to Lawrence Fishburne or Morgan Freeman, and the studio thought that Morgan would, I don't know what. So, but they chose Morgan. They didn't think Lawrence could open a film. Um, interesting now, I just heard recently that, that Lawrence would, would like to do it, that he's always wanted to play Alex. Actually, there are a lot of, you know, Chris Tucker. Is it Chris Tucker? Chris Tucker, yeah. He's, he's interested in, in playing uh, Alex, too. It, you know, it, it's... Um, it's an interesting part because, uh, and and what attracted Morgan to it is, th- this guy solves things with his head, um, so he's so he's brainy, and it's also a part where where you're you're going to be on the screen for eighty percent of the time, and uh, even li- you know, and and they don't you know uh, black actors don't get those kinds of parts for the most part, and even you know like uh, I mentioned Jamie Fox before you know, you know in the um, um, the latest movie i mean he 's on screen about you know twenty percent of that movie um, so.
0: and also same thing with the new series the t v series um, because obviously, I assume that a lot of the changes in terms of the characters themselves um, uh, they they 're not as they 're portrayed in the novels right so yeah. is that a i dis- don 't mind
2: the changes i mean the novels are the novels so there i don 't mind the changes within reason. It, it, I mean, Hollywood, you know, whatever, they do what they do out there, but you know, th- th- they were developing Roses are Red as to be the next. And I, at one point I read the screen. I couldn't believe it. I, you know, and I'm not exaggerating. The only thing that was taken from the novel was Alice Cross's name. It was I mean, I just read it and went, like, wow, this is really, this is kind of cool. <laughs> I think it's insulting, but, you know. Um... The, uh, the TV show, uh, as I said, I, 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 think the, uh, I think the writing is good. I think there's some good comic lines and stuff. I like the soap opera aspects of it. I just think, I think the suspense needs to be tighter. I think there's a little too much dead air in the thing. Per, that's what I think. Um, and, and I think Angie Harmon is great. I think that you know people saw her in Law and Order, and I think she got typecast out there, which is typical. They went, oh well, she can just do that. Well, I mean that was the part that they had in Law and Order. Does that kind of you stand next to Sam Waterston, you know, and and you just—it's almost like the soap opera format turn. I think they shoot that show very quickly. And she didn't get to show, but she's very funny and uh, you know, she can do light comedy nicely. So I think she had a lot more range than people thought. I think she's, she's going to really surprise people.
0: So you're satisfied with the character development? I think she's company?
2: great, and I think if they can just make a couple little you know, things with the show, I think it can work very well. It's doing well. Thank you. Yeah. Do ask them ask him yourself. <laughs> <laughs> no, because uh, in the book, all four of them are really, really strong. Yeah. And in the on the TV, they look like they're very weak. Not very weak, but they look weak. Like they're not as tough as you know. Like your words is much better than like me seeing it on the TV. Like it's I a, had. Yeah, I, it's a little more comedic, and yes, they are definitely more neurotic on the TV show. That, but but I, I like I like I like the neurotic. I I I, I you know, as I said, I, I like what's happening with Lindsay, even though. Um, she alternates between being very strong and, and being neurotic. But I like that. I think that's a cool... It, same thing I like um, um, in Grey's Anatomy, the fact that, that the lead is also alternates between being strong and, and being very unsure of herself. Um, and, and I also think Cindy in the show is better than the Cindy in the books, personally. Because uh, I think Cindy in the books has never really been developed very well. Anybody else?
1: How you doing, James? Good. Um, is your son working on another book?
2: Uh, <laughs> Jack, uh, he's more moving into film now. He's nine, and uh, <laughs> he's writing his TV shows, news reports, et cetera, et cetera. He, um, he, he, wrote, he wrote a couple of novels. He wrote one no- illustrated novel, and he was like six. which and I, I, I just love the, the notion of this thing, because uh, it works So what's called um, Death of the Butterfly Catcher. Butterfly catcher goes on a train, or goes on an airplane, travels halfway around the world, doesn't catch a butterfly. Gets on a boat, travels the other half doesn't catch the butterfly. Gets on a train. Jack loves train, catches the butterfly. Steps off the train, isn't looking, gets hit by a train going the other way. Death of the butterfly catcher. Butterfly flies away. Classic. <laughs> I don't know. I thought it was cool. No help. He just kind of dreamed it all up, racked it out, wrote it, did the illustrations. You know, beginning, middle, and end. What more can he ask for?
0: How much control or say control. do you have? If this has
2: to do with Hollywood, none.
0: <laughs> okay. Has to do with the
2: publishing world, a lot.
0: <laughs> no, I, I wanted to know how much control do you have over what Hollywood does with your written word?
2: Uh, you know, I, it's changing a bit now. Uh, influence with the TV series, some. Um, but ultimately, look, I mean, they got to they gotta go out and, and do their job. So I understand where they're coming from, and I've been there. I've been an arrogant writer, and you don't really want help, and you don't want to listen to anybody, and, you know. Um, movies, we'll see. I mean, we've got things going. We, you know, we're actually, uh, we commissioned the screenplay ourselves for Cross, so we're, for that specific reason. Not so much control but but strong influence. Um because we 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 think we can do we, we can do better cross movies. We think cross is a very powerful vehicle for for movies and, and we think we can do great ones.
0: Hi. Hi. I was just wondering if you ever. thought. I was wondering
2: when you two were gonna speak up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> if you ever thought of writing a book incorporating Alex Cross and Lindsay Boxer somehow. Interesting. Some way.
2: <laughs> Uh, yeah, I did. I wanted to do it right in the beginning, and Paramount said, "If you do that, then we own Lindsay Boxer." So I said, "Okay," and that's how um, one of the other characters emerged, because I couldn't, I couldn't. I wanted, to, I wanted to send Alex out to San Francisco, and you know, but they said, "If if you do that, then we own we own that character too." So we didn't do that. Similarly, if I wanted to do once with Michael Bennett and, and Alex, same problem. A couple more, and then uh, we go. Yeah, you deserve it.
1: Thank you. I'm curious if you're familiar with the band The Rock Bottom Remainders. Yeah. Uh-huh. Have you ever been asked to play with them? Um, and if you would play with them, what what instrument would you play?
2: Well, I'm just I'm sort of an Irish tenor, so I probably would just be one of the singers. <laughs> you know, maybe maybe part of the girls' background, uh, you know. Whatever. Singing, singing with Amy Tan or something.
1: Yeah. Maybe we can have you back one uh, day uh, to see perfect. that. Great, great, great. Um, well, if there are no more questions, uh, we want to thank you all for coming. The latest book, Double Cross, is available for download uh, as an audio book from the iTunes store. And tonight's podcast uh, is also available or will be available from the iTunes store as well. Uh, thanks again. We'll see you next time. Thank you.
2: This episode of Meet the Author was produced by iTunes and the Apple Store in New York's Soho District. To purchase the audiobook or listen to more episodes in the series, click the link below or search for Meet the Author in the iTunes Store.